How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Dead Just Productions podcast, episode number 168. I'm your host, Josh, or Jay Moskers. Joined this week, special guest, Gaio of the Susias Are My Favorite podcast. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you stopping by. Why don't you tell people a little bit about your show? Yeah, so I'm Gaio, the chivalrous chauvinist. I host a podcast called Susias Are My Favorite, and there I kind of talk about uh, life, dating, and relationship advice with a kink twist. And it's not exactly what you would think as far as it comes or regarding kink. It's not what everybody assumes. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, complaints about what I have to say or just ideas for future episodes, easiest way to find me is sucias.xyz, S-U-C-I-A-S. And there you can even text me, email me, or find me on my socials. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to excited to chat. We have had a a variety of people on the show over the years, and uh, we've had mental. We've had people talk about mental health. We've not talked about toxic masculinity, sex addiction, or anything like that. So I'm excited to have a a fresh new topic to go over. Oh, um, glad to come over. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, I get. I guess we'll start here. Is how did you? Uh, How'd you get started on your show? Like what made you start the show? Like how'd you get into, you know, your, the whole adventure that led to this? Oh man. So for years I'd thought about um, having a podcast, especially when podcasts first came out. Cause right about mm-hmm. that time is when I got out of uh, radio where I was a uh, more of an intern slash gopher. And that this was way back when they were transitioning from uh, tape to digital. So back mm-hmm. in the day it was uh, literally cutting and pasting, magnetic tape, cassette tapes, uh, type real to real stuff for whenever the DJ called in when he was on a location, this, that, and the other. So the idea of having a podcast and being like my own little radio show, it was appealing to me, but I had no idea what to talk about. You know, sure. I think I'm funny and hilarious. and Everybody wants to listen to me, but in all mm-hmm. honesty, it's hard to have a conversation going, especially when you're by yourself, when you're just talking to yeah. the ether, you know, and <clears throat> it's easier when you have a, a co-host or a guest, but, uh, I realized how difficult it was. And it wasn't until COVID hit when I started seeing or, you know, getting on TikTok and seeing all this stuff uh, about kink and subs and dealing with uh, fake doms or what I call pretend doms that uh, they would say, oh, yeah, I'm a real dom. I know what I'm doing. I don't need a safe word. Or they would say something to the effect to the girls of if you were a real sub, you wouldn't need a safe word because I know what I'm doing. So essentially just kind of. Uh, perpetuating that 50 shades of crap type of stuff. Uh, And so I was like, you know what? I need to talk about this. And it kind of started from there. And then, well, you know, I'm a intercourse addict, so I can talk about that. And I've been into kink, so I can talk about that. And I've had a lot of healthy relationships since I've discovered I was an intercourse addict. So let me talk about that. And I'm like, oh, hey, mental health. I can talk about that. So it just kind of like became a mishmash of things and uh, trying to find stuff to talk about. It isn't. You mentioned you thought it'd be hard to talk when it's just you. We've I've had a handful of episodes like that of this show, where for one reason or another, like the scheduling doesn't work out, and I have to get an episode out. And I've always used those episodes where it's just me as just a way to like vent for a little bit, because normally it's somewhat in, like a laid back interview style, like we're doing here. Sometimes it's like me and like the part time co host Klaus or whoever, like repeat guests or anything like that. But when it's it, we're generally on like a, you know, it's multiple topics we're just going over. When it's just me, it's just, you know, I'm there just talking about like, this is what I have going on in my life right now. 
it's like it's honestly way more serious than normal on those episodes they're just not funny it's me just being like yeah i have people around me like passing away things are going awry like it's just a way darker tone than the rest of the episodes it's kind of bizarre well, I think it works if if you don't have if you don't I guess uh, pigeonhole yourself into a niche like for example me I'm talking my like I said my podcast is about life dating relationship advice so anything outside mm-hmm. of that I ha- I did early on or my first uh, season have episodes where I'd kind of go off on a rant about just random things and I was like mm-hmm. what the hell does this have to do with dating it's like <laughs> well I had nothing else to talk about that was bothering me so I, I get the whole thing about just being able to vent. But, yeah. you know, I've also been tempted, you know what, maybe I should have another podcast just to be able to vent and talk about whatever. But then it's like, okay, that's even more work. I still have to come up with an episode for Susias. So it's just like, ugh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny. Like I, got, I would get messages like the first time I did one of those episodes. One of the messages that I got was, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically like, wow, that got very real, very quick. <laughs> <laughs> we went from like joking about like our former co-hosts like dying and like a we, we made like jokes about like these absurd like ridiculous over the top grotesque ways in which he had passed away just as like a, a running joke and then it's like a hard cut to me talking about like yeah i had a family member pass away it's it's pretty rough and you know it's just it was such a like a hard about face it was i don't know it was, it's an interesting uh character study almost going back and listening to the old episodes up until now and seeing like how i've changed how this show has changed yeah, I it's it's a little cringe for me to go back and listen to the first it episodes. Yeah. But it's more of like the editing, not so much the content. Mm. I mean, the content's still terrible, but you know, it's the edit. Oh my god, how did I do that? Like I was just so into cutting out all my breaths and all my <laughs> inhalations and you know, just making sure that nobody heard me take a breath because, you know, that would distract them from the, the what I'm trying yeah. to say. And what I was saying was <laughs> crap, but still, you know, it was just oh my goodness. Yeah, our audio quality on this first, I don't know how many episodes, it was terrible. Uh, I ended up upgrading my audio setup to what I have now, sending my old audio setup to my co-host at the time. And I was like, all right, we need to we need to update this a bit. This is terrible. <laughs> it was me. I recorded my own. And then we just didn't have a good way to get everyone. Like I didn't have Zencaster at the time. And they didn't have my, the people we had on didn't have microphones. Like they weren't podcasters, right? So it's just, I was like, all right, please just let's figure something out. We, it was just me recording mine locally. And then everyone else was on their own audio track. Like every guest was on one audio track. So I was like, yeah, me on one. And then like four people, three or four people Mm -hmm. on one audio track. I'm like, this is a mess. This is a nightmare. It was, you can imagine how difficult that is to edit. Oh yeah. I I totally, there's only so much I can do with it. Because that, that was my first few episodes when I was having guests on. I couldn't figure out how to have separate tracks. So we're all talking at the same time like, oh, man, how can I cut this? And looking yeah. at the plugins to try to separate it out or clean it up. And it was still <laughs> just an echoey mess. It was it was a disaster. I was so happy when we switched. We did. We've done like Skype. We've done. I forget what we've done. We've done a handful of them. We've been with Zencaster for a long time now. Uh, but yeah, for a while, it was, I was like. It was, it was very quickly, I need to fix this right now because this is a nightmare to edit. <laughs> and it's it's but. funny how uh, Skype dropped the ball. Like they they were in the game for decades or mm-hmm. a decade and a half. And then Zoom just swoops in and just, you know, COVID just makes everything yeah, better for them. And, a bit. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my goodness, this is night and day. And Skype is always problems. You have to log on and make sure your guests are logged on. And it's just craziness. 
I haven't used Skype in, like I said, the first, like, I don't know, within the first 15 episodes, maybe is when we use Skype, like once or twice. I haven't used it since. Before that, I hadn't used it in years. It just seems like it hasn't updated itself at all mm-hmm. in, I don't know how long. Because I used to use it all the time. That was like the go-to way to like video chat with people or whatever, like hop online and chat. It was the go-to way to do it. Yeah. Now it's like, why would I do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, you, I was going to ask you too, uh, coming from radio to podcasting, did you have that, did you ever have to like sit down and like explain to somebody what a podcast was? Uh, no, I think all my guests, yeah. you know, already knew, um, oh, okay. ta- talking to a few people, um, early on about podcasts, it was, it was mm-hmm. hard for them to, to get it because they thought that it was kind of like, okay, you record locally, but you publish and they have to, it was kind of like for them, the idea was like, it was like TV that they would still mm-hmm. have to listen in at a certain time. And if they didn't jump on at that time, then they would miss it. They didn't realize yeah. it was something that you could take with you. So it was basically a radio show you could listen to whenever you want. Yeah. And that was that was tough to sell early on that everybody thought, <laughs> oh, that's never going to last. That's never going to make it. That's it's, it's just a fad. Um, it, it was it was funny, especially early on in, in shoot, fuck, 20 years ago now, <laughs> 20 plus years ago. Yeah, it, I uh, I my last job, I worked at like a, an ad agency, but. I worked at an office where it was a newspaper and the people I work, I'm, I'm 20. I just turned 29 for reference. The people I worked with are in like their mid fifties, like very early sixties. So there's a huge age gap there. Mm -hmm. And I was explaining to them, like, you know, people could like utilize podcasts as like a form of, you know, promoting what they have going on. Like for the newspaper, they could use like, they could do like a sports podcast or whatever. You know, that's the thing that some do. I'm like, just these are ideas for what your newspaper can do to, you know, help get extra content out and get maybe, you know, advertisers, you know, to promote the podcast. And I, I explain this and they go, what's a podcast? And I'm like, oh, it's like a, you know, pre-recorded radio show. They're like, oh, but like, well, why? What's the point? I'm like, you know, just think about like, you know, for the sports one, like it's like, you sit down like the, for like an hour or whatever, 30 minutes and talk about like whatever's going on. Like you could literally sit there. You could sit there and just read through the sports section that was printed in the newspaper that day. And that could be like your podcast. And I'm like, yeah. well, why wouldn't people just read it? I'm like, like, cause people can listen to it in the car then. I'm like, oh, why wouldn't they just listen to the radio then? I'm like, I, I don't know. Some people just prefer podcasts. Yeah. No commercials. <laughs> just trying to get them to understand yeah, it. That's the biggest thing is no commercials or. Yeah less frequent commercials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was just, it was really funny trying to get them to understand it. And then there was a point within the last like four or five months now where there's been that running joke online of like, Oh, everyone has a podcast now. I'm like, yeah, it's sort of true. You know, it, it definitely is. And then everyone I knew started doing a podcast. I was like, Oh, this is, this is hitting really close to home now. This is absolutely true. <laughs> I was like, my cousin's doing like a, a, a podcast about like a football. Uh, my aunt does one through her university that she works at. I'm like, Ooh, there. And like, I'm not going to like, you know, make fun of it, or anything, but it's just the way that they go about like, yeah, you know, I'm actually, I'm doing a podcast. You know what that is? I'm like, I'm aware of what a podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> and like the way they approach it is though, like they've stumbled across this like unique new thing. 
I'm like, that you're oh, too okay, young, that cool. you're just too naive to know about. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is, is that how I was when I started doing this too? I don't know. But yeah, it, it hits home now when people say everyone has a podcast. I'm like, oh, it cuts me to my core. I'm like, they're it's so accurate. <laughs> it really is. Oh, man. But yeah, I've digressed far enough, I feel like. <laughs> uh, I was going to, I guess we'll start out like, you know, the crux of your show is, is you know, talking about like uh, dating relationships, like kinks and things like that. What, where did you start with that as far as like maybe like the sex addiction or like any of the kinks in general? Uh, so for a while, I tried to avoid getting too personal about. Um, so, okay. Know. Sorry. Oh, no, no. This was like early on. Like I, now right. I don't care. I'll, I'll tell anybody. But early on <laughs> when I first, my first season, I was just kind of scared to talk about uh, my intercourse addiction and all the things that led up to it. But uh, uh, a bite-sized version of it is I grew up with machismo in my life. And so the crux of that is essentially that you can ha- uh, eat your cake and have it too, where you mm-hmm. have your family and you know if you take care of your family, do everything you're supposed to do, then you can have a side piece. And okay. if you have a side piece, you can't get her pregnant. But if you get her pregnant, then you can't bring that kid around the family. So it was all these kind of like Catholic type rules where you're not supposed to do something, but if you do, then make sure you don't do this. And if you do do it, then don't do that. You know, so it would just kind of be a, not even a catch 22, just a bunch of addendums and excuses to be able to get away yeah. with things. <laughs> and growing up, I really didn't see it. I just thought, okay, the, my value or my measure as a man, my manhood is measured by how many women I've been with. And so I didn't really go through too much of being uh, scared of talking to girls there was just a point when I was 11 or 12 that uh, a girl turned me down or didn't agree to me. Like it was like a circle yes or no type situation and she didn't even respond. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. You know what? I'm going to make her wish she could get a guy like me. And so from then on, I just never worried about hearing no or me dealing with any rejection because, you know, there's always more women, you know, just because one girl tells me no, well, there's still 399 other girls in my middle school to ask out and make you out, make out with and do all this other stuff. Did that and, translate into like your general life? Like the, the ability to take no for an answer? Oh yeah. It, 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 you know, if you tell me no, it doesn't mean it's not, no, it just means not right now. Like mm-hmm. to me, no had always been not now. That's the essence of it. And in some cases, yes, no means no. And mm-hmm. it, it's a fine line of learning that. I mean, it's, it's taken me 20 ish years to be able to determine when, a woman says no, she means no, try harder, try later, hold on, my boyfriend's here, I have to say no in front of you, but come talk to me later. Like there's mm-hmm. all these, uh, what do you call it, uh, body language, uh, facial social tics, cues, sort of social things. cues, like all that other stuff that you got to take into account that, you know, most, in, in general, most people just lie, period, in a sentence. Like everyone lies to a certain degree, whether it's by omission, by withholding facts, by, um, just outright lying or just half truth, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's learning how to be able to, to read that and being essentially like a, a human lie detector test. Um, and I thought it was normal. Yeah. Just sleep with as many women as possible. And it wasn't until I went to a celebrate recovery, uh, group meeting, which was essentially like an umbrella, a Christian umbrella for AA, SAA, uh, so chemical dependency, sexual addiction, codependency, uh, food addictions, 
drugs, sex, like anything that's an, that can mm-hmm. or is an addiction, uh, Celebrate Recovery has a program or a plan to, to kind of do that. They separate men and women into smaller groups and you talk about whatever your issues are there. And one of the times I went, <clears throat> there was this guy that was talking about his drug addiction and all the reasons he gave for using drugs were the same reasons I used to have sex because I had a bad day. I wanted to feel better. Um, essentially, it was just really tied to my emotions. But because as a man, I didn't grow up knowing how to talk about them or deal with them, the only way to mask them or to feel better about myself because I didn't know how to talk about them was to go out and have sex to get that that shot mm-hmm. of oxytocin to be able to feel good and have that little hit of feeling good about myself. Interesting. Yeah, it it's interesting. Like you mentioned, like having to figure out that fine line as well. Like I, it's a different side of things, but like I, I can relate as far as like picking up on the body language and stuff like that, like working in sales previously. It's, it's interesting, like figuring out how people interact with you in a way where it's like uh, getting an ant, getting a definitive answer out of them can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, growing like when I was growing up in like high school, even when I was in college and stuff like that, I was on the other side of the thing where it's just like I, I had girlfriends, but like I just I don't know, man. I was just so like uninterested in pursuing people in general. It was like, okay. It was one of those things where it's like I never really asked girls out. It was like I'd we'd just be friends and then just it would naturally progress as opposed to me approaching someone be like, Hey, I'd like to go out or do something. I don't know. I, I just have never, I've never found myself in a situation where I've had to ask a girl out very much. It's a very different, uh, I don't know. I've had a very different time of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And everybody, everybody has different experiences with it. I mean, they're the, um, pretty boys that they didn't even have to try. Like, they mm. kind of have the same situation as you, but they don't have to be friends with them. They just exist and girls will ask them out or girls will find excuses to be around them because they're either attractive or popular, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. it's, it's very high schoolish in the way that kind of mm-hmm. works out. Like the super attractive guys, quote unquote jocks, they never have to do any work. They don't have to put any effort into it because they're, uh, women just want to be around them or girls want to be around them. Average looking guys, some of them use their personality, their charisma, their um, being a nice, not a nice guy in the Reddit sense, but a nice mm-hmm. guy of just being a general good person. I think that's a better way is just being a good mm-hmm. human being or decent human being that girls realize, oh, hey, this is boyfriend material. This is a guy that I want to date and things will just naturally evolve that way. And myself, I have a very bad boy look to me. Like I just look like a bad boy. There's nothing, I, I mean, I can be clean shaven in uh, polo and khakis and you just have this, I don't know if it's an aura or a look or whatever, but I'm not considered boyfriend material. So that also contributed to me being able to just philander around as much as I wanted to because girls wouldn't take me seriously, which is another thing is I would want to date a girl, but she would say, oh no, you're, I'm not going to bring you home to my parents or, you know, I don't want you to meet my kids or, you know, just... I don't need you to meet my friends either because they were afraid I was going to try to hook up with them or just that they saw me as a piece of ass and say, Oh, okay, fine. If that's the role you want me to be in, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fuck around on you and not take you seriously. 
because you don't want to see me as a boyfriend. And that was just another way of me dealing with my emotions instead of using my words. So. Yeah. It, even as an adult, like I see a lot of the same sort of tendencies with people where like, I, I don't know if it was the same for you, but like when I finished high school, I was like, all right, I'm like, I'm going into the real world now. You know, it's people are going to act more mature. Like it's going to be different. <laughs> it's really not. Nope. It's really just the exact same thing, but in a work environment as opposed to school. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's just, it's the exact same thing in a work environment mm-hmm. and people have money now to do things. And where you're, you know, the environment has changed and the, uh, the cost of everything is radically different. But I mean, it's, like I said, even outside of like college, you know, it was like, I, I would see people I knew in high school. Uh, I'll backstep here a little bit. It was interesting watching people in high school that were, you know, you were saying like the conventionally attractive guys that women would just like quote unquote flock to them maybe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting seeing the trajectory of some of these people where they, some of them wildly successful and then others had not developed any social skills or any skills in general in high school thinking they could just cruise through life mm-hmm. and watching them now like they're uh, I don't know a percentage because I don't I haven't really kept up with a lot of people I went to school with but there's a number of them I do know of where it's like they were like that they're successful quote unquote in high school you know with school with regards to schoolwork and then you know with with women and stuff like that who are now just like their life is in like shambles Mm -hmm. because they just didn't pick up any skills or anything like that. They didn't know how to be a person. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of that. And uh, I didn't incorporate. So I have a episode called theory of a hundred where I kind of talk about um, not so much sexual prowess, but just more of the sexual value of men and women. And Mm. um, short version is there's nothing special what's between a woman's legs. Literally, there's nothing special about it. We attach a specialness to how attractive she is because 99% of guys are going to finish 99% of the time, regardless of what the woman looks like. If she's attractive, great. But if she's not, we can just imagine a porn star celebrity, an ex or anybody to be able to finish. Mm-hmm. Whereas women, there's a lot more involved to get them to finish. And most of the time, guys can't make women finish all the time. And it's, you know, it's got to be effort. It's got to be being able to read body language, being all those cues. So all the other things that can make you successful with getting women, you have to use that to be able to get women to finish. And most guys, the jocks, the ones that, you know, rest on, think they can live life on cruise control, don't bother. And I even have an example where a friend of mine, she went to a big university in Texas was dating or hooking up with the second string quarterback and she eventually stopped seeing him after they, they kept seeing each other after they graduated mm-hmm. and she eventually had to tell him fuck off i don't want to have sex with you anymore because you suck in bed and he had never heard this before he thought that he was great because you know he was always having a string of women all the time but he never put any effort into pleasing women and so she stopped seeing him because he was terrible in bed and he finally said, okay, well, can you teach me? What do I got to do? How do I get better? Because I guess he realized if I don't get better now, I'm not going to be able to keep someone in the future because he'd never had a girlfriend. It was just always mm-hmm. endless one-night stands or endless flings. So I guess he got scared into trying to be better, to have a relationship. 
yeah, it's interesting. Like having to be literally like, I don't know if embarrassed right word, but literally being like, oh, oh, people are are thinking I'm not pulling my weight here. Is this gonna affect me in the long run? Like that's that's an interesting thing to have to go through. Uh, yeah, it's. Oh, I was like, I was gonna touch on something else you had said there too, but it slipped my mind. Um, ah, God, terrible. I was I was literally trying to find this episode you were talking about, the Theory of Hundred. Oh. I think it's your is it third episode. It looks like maybe. Yes. Yeah. I. I <laughs> but yeah, it's. I was I was gonna say I was I'm I'm expecting the the uh, comments on this episode to all be about what you just said of men not being able to to please women well enough. I imagine all my comments and the messages I'm going to receive are that might be true, but definitely not for me. <laughs> um, one way to gauge that if you're a male is so I'd heard, I've heard often people uh, compliment or say the effect to the effect of, well, I've never had any complaints. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't normally complain about McDonald's just because it's McDonald's it's average. It's whatever. But it's not until you have women willing to drive three hours to see you and you can kick them out as soon as you're done and they're willing to come see you again in the future. That's when you know you are good. Well, I've never had that happen, but I've also never had like one night stands. So I don't, maybe I'll try that with my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, do you like the, uh, the stereotype where it's like, you just roll, I don't even smoke, but just roll over and just have like a, a pretzel stick or something. So, uh, <laughs> like one of candy cigarettes, just light it. All right, I'll get out. I wonder what that, I wonder what that stereotype room. is going to be nowadays because, you know, you can't smoke anymore. I mean, it's taboo they, to smoke. I imagine it's just rolling over and getting on your phone. <laughs> That's probably what it is, right? Ooh. It's the equivalent, uh, I, maybe? I'm feeling personally attacked right now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to imagine that's probably a fairly even equivalent, right? I think so, yeah. I don't know. I, I imagine like the cigarette thing is just rolling over and like taking the edge off and like coming like coming back down, you know, just like relaxing. People just browse their phones to relax, I guess, or be outraged. I don't even know. Who who knows? <laughs> that, that would <laughs> that's an interesting view. It's like, oh, that was good. Let me feel personally victimized on Twitter now for thirty minutes. <laughs> To go brag on uh, us on Facebook or whatever social media he uses these days. I just you're got not going to guess what I just did. It's like, uh, come on, man! It's the third time this year. We get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you mentioned earlier too the. Uh, uh, it sounds like you weren't a fan of the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. Can you That's can correct. you explain that? Oh, I know nothing about this film, by the way. I just know like the generic like things people say about it. Oh, okay. So in the kink community, we despise it depending on the person. They either despise it or hate it. I have a, a whole theory on hate, but uh, I despise it because it violates one of the, the core tenets of uh, kink, which is a safe word is sacred. If someone uses or says their safe word, that means full stop, game over. We're not doing this anymore. Uh, if you continue, then that is rape. Now, hmm. in the book and in the movie, they, the um, male essentially says, or the, the female says, uses her safe word, and the male says, "Damn it, I just, I can't, I can't stop myself. I, I want you so bad. I have to have you." And he continues, and hmm. 
it is still, you know, passionate sex. However, the females usually see that as, oh my God, that's so hot. That's so sexy. I, I understand the females like enough to see where that can be uh, seen as sexy because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that he wants her so bad that he has to just ignore what her, what she said, right? That, you know, he, no matter what it is, he just has to have her. He can't say no, he can't stop himself because she's so desirable. I understand mm-hmm. that on as pure logic, right? <clears throat> However, there's also that whole pretty privilege thing where if you were just to take that guy out, let's just make him Danny DeVito. If Danny DeVito <laughs> did that, I, mean, I would watch that movie then. Say again? <laughs> I would definitely watch that movie if it was Danny DeVito. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> right? It'd be worth watching. But would women still consider it hot that a Danny DeVito or just a generally or conventionally unattractive man says, I don't care about your safe word. I have to have you. Now, mm-hmm. would it, that still be cringe or would that be sexy? And there's been a meme where an attractive guy comes and says, hey, you're looking good today to a woman in a cubicle and she giggles and smiles. And then there's this, you know, fat, overweight neck beard comes in and says, hey, you're looking good today. And she's like, ew, get away, creeper. You know, so it's, yeah. um, you know, it, it's essentially pretty privilege. And mm-hmm. on top of that, that kind of created this whole genre of, or subgenre of uh, books that essentially file, follow the same pattern. Of course, it's not a billionaire or millionaire, whatever the guy was, and ignoring safe words. It's just the average guy gets a woman and she says her safe word. He says, no, I don't care. I have to have you or something to that effect. And essentially mm-hmm. perpetuating this idea that women don't, or sub, sub, uh, that subs, submissives, don't need to have a safe word. Interesting. Yeah, I, I can see how that could become a problem very quickly. Mm-hmm. It is. It is just, like I said. I. I I didn't know anything about the movie really. I just knew like the general like discussion around it. You know, as far as like you know, just in not related to the kink sizing and the you know the safe words of it. Just literally the general discussion of it. Basically, people making fun of it or whatever. But yeah, I, that seems like a real slippery slope. To, to go down especially if you're sort of promoting it as like yeah it's just cool it's it's, it's just you know it's this this is sexy this is something that people should be able to get into it's like I can, I can see that being a real problem i imagine too the people watching and enjoying this movie or maybe like the you know the subs in, involved in it i can imagine them being in that specific scenario thinking it's great and then they encounter that specific scenario and be and you know think themselves oh this is this is a horrible situation. Yeah. Like the, you, um, yeah. It, I mean, like I said, some of us can see it. Okay. Yes, it is fiction. It is an idea and it's not what truly mm-hmm. represents the community. But at the same time, a lot of uh, vanillas or non kingsters uh, started flooding the, um, so our quote unquote safe spaces were uh, we would go, we would most kingsters or cities have a kink group of some sort and they meet up at swingers clubs once a month because swingers clubs are, is one of the more common kinks that's out there. And so swingers would have their, or lifestyle, people in the lifestyle have their own club. They, you know, they're open usually Thursday through Sunday. Um, and the kink clubs or the kink community would rent it out one night out of the month. And so it'd be a monthly thing. And we, we, right after 
Fifty Shades movie came out, uh, the next three or four months, it was just a flood of women coming in and dressing up kind of the same way in the movie. And it, it's just like, oh my God. It's just basically, if you were in any type of scene or any type of group or any type of whatever, and you see posers just come in, like it's just <laughs> being flooded with posers. It, it's one thing to have one or two posers kind of show up in your group or whatever you're into. Okay, fine, mm -hmm. you can deal with them. But when you have 20 or 30 posers show up to a that basically makes up 10% of your group, then it kind of like sucks. So like, oh, great. Now they have enough numbers to not feel intimidated or bothered by us because we're giving them the stink eye, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that's different from like enjoying a specific like genre of movies, right? Like it, it's affecting your actual life at that point. Like I imagine there's probably people who are like fans of like Marvel comics that were a little annoyed when, you know, all the movies got popular and people who are only movie watchers are coming into the sub, like the subreddit or whatever and talking mm -hmm. about it. You know, like I, I imagine they're, you know, they're in the scenario of like, oh, this is annoying. These people don't aren't actual fans. They're not real fans, but it doesn't affect their day-to-day -day life and enjoyment of the, the product. Right. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's like, you know, you have your own thing going on and these people are coming in actively trying to be involved in a way that they don't understand how it actually works, it seems. Exactly. That could be frustrating. Yeah, I, dude, I'm, I'm such a boring person at this point. I have nothing. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, you're not. You're fine. You also have a great I, radio voice. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've been, I've been working on it by sitting here talking for years. <laughs> but yeah, it, like I said, it, I I don't know what I'd about being into a lot of the, the kinks and things like that, but just in general, like I wish I had time to get into more hobbies uh, to the point where I could be upset about people showing up that aren't really fans of the community. Because <laughs> like as it is now, it's like I you know I get up every day at like five thirty. I get you know I do my workouts, get my shower, get ready for work, take the dog out. I go to work. I get home at like. 5 30 you know i'm done i take the dog out again make dinner you know get cleaned up it's like seven o'clock right by the time i'm done then my girlfriend gets home she gets her shower or whatever i'm like all right maybe now i can sit down and do something it's like 7 30 8 o'clock i'm like there's no time for me to do anything <laughs> i i wish i could i could have the time to get into stuff <laughs> Yeah, that would, if I, there's a subreddit about superpowers and I just always thought one of the greatest things would, I think, would be able to just to stop time. You don't have to have super speed. You don't have to have all this other stuff. Just being mm -hmm. able to stop time and enjoy life on your own pace. I think that would be. As long as you don't age while time is stopped. Oh yeah, no. Actually, I've so mine this. was, um, <laughs> I would de-age at three times the rate I stopped time. So if I stopped time for five minutes, I would, I would be 15 minutes younger than when I started. Interesting. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Just because you mentioned Marvel, I was like, you know, superpowers. And of course, yeah. you know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, well, what was the one superpower you want? It's like, why am I limited to one? Almost every superhero <laughs> or villain has like three or four superpowers. This is, it's like the wishing for more wishes from a genie sort of thing. It's like, well, fine. I just give myself the power that I can make myself as many powers as I want. It's like, there we go. I win. 
<laughs> well, I mean, look yeah, at Superman. I, you know, he has flight, he has X-ray vision, the laser eyes. Uh, um, you know, Superman is the most boring superhero ever. In the fact oh, that yeah. he has, he's basically invincible, and he has every power. He can, he can you know, like you mentioned, like the flying, mm-hmm. the super strength, the laser beams from his eyes. You know, I, there's variations of him where he turns time. He can change time backwards by. I don't know, understand how this works, but like apparently he's he flies around the earth counterclockwise. <laughs> Counterclock- I think it's counterclockwise. Yeah. And it by changing the earth's rotation, he causes time to go backwards, which makes no sense. Even even for like something as ridiculous as time travel in a superhero comic, that's kind of a weird way to go about doing it. Uh yeah, it's he, it's he's unbelievably overpowered. And it's funny that he exists in the same universe as like Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like Superman just solves every other hero's problems instantly. It's, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it, to have more time would be ideal. My superpower would be, if I could make myself have unlimited powers, it'd be that. Otherwise, just to not have to sleep would be great. They give me that many more hours of the day where I could actually do stuff. I bought a, a writing program on my computer here helps me like organize all my thoughts and everything like that i got that like a week ago i opened it like the first day for an hour i haven't been able to touch it since it's been so frustrating <laughs> what's like, uh what's the issue with it no no it, the the it the program is great it's called scrivener 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 i don't know yes. how to pronounce it uh it works great i just have not had time to really sit down and do anything with it uh it like i said it's just by the time i get everything done for the day and i have like a moment to to breathe and sit down it's like like i said 7 38 at that point i'm like i'm tired you know i i have maybe an hour and a half before i have to start getting ready for bed and everything because i usually go to bed about 10 because i get up so early Mm -hmm. so it's like i'd rather spend time with my girlfriend than sit in the office here for you know the last hour and a half of the day right it's more valuable to me to spend time with her than than being here but yeah, there's at some point I'm like, I need to just cut off everything else in my life and just be like, all right, taking some me time, getting into my hobbies again. It's always important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask too, going back to the actual discussion before I went on my tangent, <laughs> which I tend to do. <laughs> uh, how does one go about getting into like the kink community? Like just in general, not a specific one. They, you said they have like specific clubs and things like that people can go to? Yes. So generally what you could do uh, if you're in a major city is either go online. Which I am not. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there's two options. One is that you're in a major city or just go online. There's mm-hmm. what's called FetLife.com. And <clears throat> that it's... So again, just like with everything, it's just kind of... Uh, deteriorates over time or gets better over time. This was one of those that uh, it's the former and it's more like uh, Facebook with nudity. If you can, if you can imagine, you know, the political stuff and all these other crazy things. Mm-hmm. But um, within that, you know, you can still have groups or find groups to that are local to you. So you can place wherever city or town you're in. And as long as you have uh, say in a city or town of over 50,000, you're very likely going to find a group in that town. And uh, they'll have what's called munches and munches are meetups at a public place where 
most most more of most of the time is counter service type restaurants where you go make your order, you pick it up, you'll sit down and just kind of have a conversation with a whole bunch of random people, and they'll tell you, you know, hey, I'm into uh, rope play, being tied up, or I'm into spanking or being spanked, and whatever piques your interest, and you can talk to them a little bit more, find out about it. Uh, if you really want to get into it, they might be able to introduce you to someone who has more experience that could be a teacher, could be a mentor and willing to take you under your wing. So there's that option. Alternatively, also with FetLife or even Facebook, you could find uh, swingers clubs in your town or your city. Usually you're talking about metropolitan cities that are going to have swingers clubs and you know any, anything of the top uh, 20 major cities in the US, Seattle, LA, you know, anything that has uh, more than one highway or a freeway. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one two lane road. <laughs> so yeah, you probably won't find a swingers club in your town. I imagine most of these people would find this entire conversation offensive. We're in a, a very, very small town. Oh yeah. Um, Surrounded by Amish and hillbillies. Oh the, yeah. The hillbillies might be interested. The The Amish probably not, but um, the hillbillies would probably be interested on the inside, but outward facing. They'd be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, oh, no, 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 they'll, they'll be judgmental and, you know, condemn yeah. you and all that other stuff. No, um, tell me what website it is so I can avoid it. <laughs> me, email, email me the link so I know I can, so I can add it to my, my, my blog list. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And then you see, oh, I'm not here for anything. I'm here to, to, you know, take notes on who to, um, not hang out with in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, You'll, you can find those on, you know, Facebook, uh, like-minded people essentially, and, uh, you'll find groups of whatever kinks you might be into. And I mean, there's a huge range of kinks, you know, BDSM is just a subset of, uh, bondage, domination, discipline, submission, uh, sadomasochism. So there's, you know, uh, within just BDSM, there's, you know, so many other things you can try, but kink could be anything from, um, wanting to play or pretend to be your a teenager or a child to um oh man there's so many things i just don't want to call anybody out it feels like but whatever your interest and it doesn't have to be anything that's involves sexual penetration it could just mm-hmm. be something that's um therapeutic in a sense that you get to relive or re-experience a moment that makes you feel uh, young again makes you feel free, uh, uninhibited, uh, without having to deal early with the consequences of social mores or laws and being able to be quote unquote, your true self without worrying mm-hmm. about being judged and, you know, just, um, take a time out from life essentially. Interesting. Yeah. It, how do you, uh, here's a question too. How does one go about, you know, enjoying this side of life uh, if they've never experienced it before? And, you know, I can imagine there's a level of uncomfortability involved for people who might be new to it. So it's um, a lot of self-discovery because when I first got into kink, my um, interests were, uh, was the domination. And when I fell into it, it was essentially, I was hooking up with this girl that was a swinger 
and we happened to go to a swingers club on the night that they had the fetish club or the fetish um, ball. Mm. And so we just kind of like stumbled into it because we didn't realize or we weren't paying attention to the schedule or whatever. <clears throat> so we end up there and I see, you know, the, the flogging and having uh, submissives, you know, do mostly or almost anything you say, using submissives as furniture. Others were being spanked or flogged or beaten. Others were told or commanded to go have sex or perform sexual acts on other people, um, dressed in a certain way. Like there's just a whole myriad of things that they were doing. And what interests me the most was having control over someone else. And over time, it's evolved into what's known as a DDLG, Daddy Dom Little Girl, where you are essentially like a father figure to a little. And a little is an adult person that plays or pretends to be um, anywhere between elementary school age to about middle school. And then there's middles that essentially play or pretend to be in middle school. So you can go from uh, having tea time with an adult woman or adult male um, where they want to have tea time. They want you to brush their hair. They want to paint your toenails. They want to, you know, be childlike. The other one with middles, they're more into like listening to the music that they liked when they were teenagers, um, maybe coloring, you know, kind of like teenage-ish activities. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, sleepovers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, th those kind of things, right? And so then you're is this a lot of this. Is this a lot of this like off the cuff, improv style stuff? Yes. Or is so this it, all stuff for it? I was going to say like this seems like a. A whole routine you've got set up here. If you're oh, no, 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 no. This, is, this is all beforehand. based on whatever they want to do. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can get even more structured. You can be where you're more, okay, this is your time to be able to have tea time. This is your time to be able to be in a bathtub and have a bubble bath. And this is your time to do X, Y, and Z. So it can be as off the cuff and, you know, improv as much as you like to being very structured. It depends on the dynamic and it depends on the two people in the relationship, or it could be more people. It doesn't have to be just two. Um, and so in that, the uh, benefit for the little or middle is that they get to release control and not have to be an adult to take a time out from life, right? Mm -hmm. The benefit for the dom, for the, it could be uh, mommy, daddy, or caregiver, just depending on uh, gender identity or uh, non-gender identities, depending on who they are, they can decide the benefit for them can be being seen, at least for me, as being seen as a Superman, being seen as, you know, being uh, adored in a sense, but with kind of like a sense of awe, with a sense mm -hmm. of a little fear because, you know, your authority, your figure uh, okay. position over them. So it can be different benefits for each other or both people in the, in the dynamic without it having to be sexual. So it's, I was going to say, I was going to ask if, if there was, you could remove the sexual aspect of it and people could still get that enjoyment out of playing a character, so to speak. Yeah. And it is, yeah. it's just uh, different types of role play and it can be that enjoyment for each other that doesn't have to be sexual. It can be sexual and it could also be uh, sexually charged where the, um, both of them kind of get off on the idea of, uh, sex with a step parent or stepchild, and it's just taboo enough to where you don't do anything, but you just kind of flirt with it and 
uh, she would sit on your lap and grind against you, or you find an excuse to brush against her breast or whatever. It can be somewhere like that in the middle, or it could actually be full on sex. And, you know, the dynamics can, can vary for the reasons behind it, whatever benefit or desire there is there for that. Interesting. Before we, we're getting a little further in here. I want to touch on like the toxic masculinity side of things as well. How does that incorporate into a lot of these communities? Maybe if at all, I don't know how it incorporates, um, into kink specifically. I hadn't, okay. uh, had conversations about it or, um, examined it so much because usually when I'm doing anything kink related, it's uh, one-on-one or with, you know, a, a small group. And it's usually women that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing this with, but with toxic masculinity, just in general as a whole is, you know, what we hear and see in uh, social media a lot lately. I think the issue is more, not so much toxic masculinity, but the lack of masculinity. So boys being raised by mothers, they can't be taught how to be a man. So where do they learn to be a man? They learn from TV shows and movies and um, essentially get a twisted idea of what one should do to be a man without having um, essentially gone through like the basic training of a father teaching a son, okay, this is what you do. This is how you fix a car. This is how you fix things in the house. This is how you go fishing. This is how you do all these different things. They basically get stereotypical male attributes as opposed to how to be a good man as a person sort of thing. Exactly. You know, cause Mm. you have to be able to provide and take care of your girlfriend to be able to, um, have like some type of authority role over your girlfriend. It's not even over your girlfriend, more of, being a leader, having leadership mm-hmm. skills versus the toxic masculinity is you're going to do what I say because I say so. And mm-hmm. versus, hey, I want you to do this and take care of that because and have be able to have a reason for why you want your girlfriend or your significant other to do X, Y, or Z because you're taking care of other things and you can explain it versus demanding things. So it's kind of like... Um, it's like Hank Hill versus Andrew Tate. <laughs> um. Andrew Tate, Andrew Tate, like an extreme example of it. I think he does have the skills to be able to back up what he says, um, but he falls more into like the machismo side. I would say mm-hmm. something more of like Hank Hill and. Uh, I like that I picked two, <laughs> two individuals that I've never seen any of their content. <laughs> the only the only thing I've ever seen of King of the Hill is him trying to open a door with WD forty. He can't get the cap off of it. So he pulls out a second can of WD-40, pops the cap off that, sprays the initial can of WD-40, then pops the cap off and sprays the door. That's my <laughs> entire interaction with King of the Hill. <laughs> um, well, where I was going with King of the Hill was Sorry. that you know he's a father figure, and mm-hmm. you know he can he knows how to take care of things, how to fix things. So that's, I think, a good form of masculinity, albeit you know the the typical, um, dumb male. Because another thing about dealing with social media is that oh, men are incapable of going grocery shopping because, you know, they don't know what to get or how to get, find stuff in the aisles. And, you know, they're oblivious to getting whatever happens to be needed for the household. And Mm -hmm. if they're good at that, oh, well, then he's gay. There's no way a straight man knows how to get, you know, basic ingredients to make something from scratch. Um, 
just that common perception that males just don't know how to run a household or don't know how to take care of themselves in the house. Like if they're stuck at home with the kids, they're like calling the wife every five minutes. So like, oh, hey, where's this? Oh, how do I do that? Oh, Timmy's hair's on fire. How do I put it out? You know, that the whole men are too stupid to do anything to take care of their kids. Is this, is this podcast me finding out I'm gay because I know how to cook? <laughs> I didn't oh, know man. this is how this is going to go. If, if, it, if it is, I'm, I'm clearly a latent homosexual since I was like eight or nine. Um, because like another thing You make is, yourself like breakfast one day and it's like, oh, our kid's a homosexual. <laughs> well, my mother taught me how to cook from a young age because so she also believes in the uh, kind of like the whole machismo masculinity thing is that, yeah, you, I'm supposed to run my household. I'm supposed to be treated like a king, but mm-hmm. I have to take care of my wife or my girlfriend and I have to treat her like a queen. But in the interim between me graduating high school and me getting married, well, I'm not going to get to come home and have my mom cook for me. I have to do that for myself. Mm-hmm. Like she's not going to take care of me. She's not going to be like an Italian or Jewish mom that fawns over her son. And no, fuck you. My mom was had that kind of like, um, I don't know if you've seen that meme where like the different animal types, how they parent and it's uh, like the kangaroo. I'll hold you here till you're ready to go out into the world. Oh, okay. yeah, all yeah. these other things. And then- the birds like fly, bitch, you know, just get kicked out of the nest. <laughs> so that's kind of like my mom's, um, you know, parenting style is like, Hey, fend for yourself. But she did teach me how to take care of myself, how to cook, clean, mm-hmm. wash clothes, take care of all that different stuff. And so my mom's parenting style was she moved out of the state. <laughs> left <laughs> me behind. <laughs> oh man. Well, see, it's the same thing. Fly, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. yeah no, I, and I was like, okay, get some, let's, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. They, they moved away and I was like, I don't really feel like moving. I, you know, I know people here. I have to get a new job. I was like, I'll just, I'll stay here. And then they moved. And I was like, maybe I made a mistake, but whatever. <laughs> How long ago was that? This, it was in 2013. It was, or was it 2014? It was either a year or, or like a year or a year and a half after I graduated high school. And so they moved away. I was like, all right, uh, life comes at you fast, I guess. <laughs> so, but I mean, like I've, I've always like had an interest in cooking. So I was like, all right, I can figure things out. And that's still what I do. It's me just experimenting a lot of the times. Obviously I go, I fall back on things I know how to make, but I still like to experiment with the, with stuff and just, I'm, I'm always about trying new things just in general. So that it helps, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to dedicate myself to making money so I can live. <laughs> And then I'll, I'll, you know, get into my hobbies and things like that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, being 19 and, uh, trying to go through college and working and surviving at the same time without anyone around was a bad idea. (laughs) No, but I think it made you a tougher person who you are now. If you had stayed home or gone with your parents to wherever they went to, uh, if you have any siblings, like, can you compare yourself to them as to their success? And how I can, and, and I do all the time on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so how my, dependent uh, are your siblings? My half to your sister, parents? my half sister is a mainstay topic on the show here where <laughs> I refer to how I, you know, I've, I've made something of myself in life. You know, I don't, I don't like talking myself up or anything, but it's like, I do well, you know, I, I feel like I've accomplished things in life, feel good about myself. And then I refer to my, my, I call her my sister. She's actually my half sister, which is a silver lining in all this, I, I like to think. And uh, I'm like, oh, she didn't, you know, 
on uh, 29th. So she'll be, she'll be 25 in a couple months. Uh, has not finished high school, has not gotten her driver's license, works part-time as a volunteer at a, uh, uh, animal like rescue center <laughs> and posts lewd photographs of herself on Instagram. And that's her life. She got married and thought she was going to relax. And, you know, it turns out that life isn't just, you know, roses all the time. And I think to myself, cool. I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> well, with girls, I mean, at least with uh, machismo, that's kind of the way uh, girls are raised or taught. So girls are essentially treated like princesses and mm. the boys are trained or taught to essentially be like um, kind of Spartan, you know, or be, mm. um, you know, trained like it's, it's very different. So there's a lot of tough love for the boys. And the girls yeah. get treated, you know, oh, you know, she can do no wrong, whatever. But that's also encouraging in a sense to the girls to expect to be treated like queens whenever they're married. Of course, they also have to take care of their um, husbands like kings. And the men are taught to essentially be self-reliant and independent to take care of themselves and to be able to take care of their family, to, to mm. uh, do their responsibilities. So, you know, a half-sister comparison isn't quite as good a good met i don't think is is a good metric as compared if you had like a half brother like if he were in the same mm -hmm. shoes to where he's just like oh, i do have a stepbrother but uh, he's like uh how he's like i'm trying to think he's like 13 years older than me he's a stepbrother obviously mm -hmm. but we had before my mom and stepdad got married we were in very different positions so i don't think that's a fair comparison either really mm -hmm. but i mean he's doing well for himself so that's what worked out. He, like I said, we, we like bringing my sister up on the show. Cause it's just, it's funny to keep track of like where she is in life. Uh, I, I found out recently that, you know, before I knew she had like a bunch of animals, you know, like pets, I found out she has five dogs and now two cats as well in her. Like, I think she has, she's a two bedroom home, like two bedrooms at one bath, one and a half baths maybe or something. I'm like, this is, it's like you are cramming as many <laughs> animals into this house as you can. I'm over here with one dog and a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, don't forget to walk. Not that they're girlfriend. both on the same level. <laughs> no, I just, I, yeah, when you said that, I was like, oh, don't forget to walk your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I like, I do like referencing like family and seeing like what, not where I stand in regards to them, but like just the, you know, like I look at my cousins and like where they're at in life and like the different paths we've taken. Like I, I like comparing myself to see like, how did we end up where we're at? Cause like, if you were to like go back in time, what would have been 10 years, you would have said like, Oh, you know, it, referring to me, you'd be like, Oh, you, you know, you're going to have some problems or whatever. Like you're going to struggle in life. Your cousin's going to do great though. He's, you know, he's working hard. He's doing all this. And like my cousin's fine. He does well for himself. But like, I feel like some people make really odd social choices that kind of ostracize themselves from everyone around them. Whereas I kind of do what I can to like keep in touch with my family members and always treat people respectfully. It's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting seeing how it just over a short period of time, you know, the person you thought you knew is just radically different than they were, uh, you know, a few years ago. I don't know. It depends with everybody, though. 
Yeah. I was going to say, I even have shit. Like, over the course of this podcast, you can, and maybe some of it's from like, uh, because of my career working in marketing and like brand management, where it's like, maybe I'm not going to say that out loud right now. <laughs> maybe I wait until after the recording to say this joke or whatever. And like, you can see where like my, my self censorship has come in at times and things like that. But like, I've definitely changed. Like, you know, the last like five years or so, it's like, I've matured as a person, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've organized my thoughts. I've like come up with like goals for myself in life. You know, like, I don't know what it was like for you personally, but like when I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Even if, you know, five years after I graduated, I had no idea what I really wanted to do. I knew what I enjoyed doing, but like, I can't turn, you know, hanging out with friends and chatting with people into a career necessarily, you know, but you know, now it's like, okay, I've got a, I've got goals. You know, I, I can utilize like my current career to work more in like freelance areas, turn that into self-employment possibly. You know, I save up money. I buy properties. Now I have like passive income, like that sort of thing. Like I have plans now, you know, I've, I've got, you know, blueprints for quote unquote success. Whereas a few years ago, it's let's wing it and see what happens sort of a thing. Um, yeah, my, I didn't have any plans after high school. I didn't even think I'd make it to C20 just because, Mm -hmm. uh, growing up in Houston in the middle of gang violence and Mm drive-bys and seeing people getting shot in front of me, I was like, eh, I probably won't see 20. So there's no sense in me making any plans or, you know, uh, bettering myself in any way, shape or form. It's, did you... Did you go to college? I don't know if you want to say it or not. Yeah, I went oh. to college, but it wasn't for me just because in high school, I was that cl- I was that student that never had to pay attention or never had to study or do anything. Just I'd automatically mm-hmm. uh, pass classes because in high school or middle school and high school, and you just basically have to regurgitate whatever the teachers told you. Mm-hmm. And in college, yeah. depending on the professor, it would either be, um, you know, you have to either read the book or take notes from, um, you know, some other thing. Like, I, I just never learned how to take notes. That was like my dad. You're not handed all the answers up front necessarily. In college. Exactly. Like it, what you said too, like in high school, middle school, like regurgitating the information. It, I always thought it was like kind of bullshit where people are like, oh, this person is struggling because they're not a good test taker. I was like, what do you, how what does that even mean? It's like the whole point of taking a test is putting down like the information you were supposed to learn. I guess looking back, I understand it a bit more now. I don't know that I'm hundred percent on board with the statement, but yeah, like you said, like I would, I passed high school just by showing up every day. That's all I had to do. I would, I would literally do my homework in class. So I didn't have to do anything at home Mm -hmm. and that's all I would have to do. I didn't, it was the easiest thing in my life, which is why I think it's hilarious. My sister couldn't finish high school and I bring (laughs) it up all the time, but like, like I, I definitely understand why some people struggle. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not trying to throw up under the bus or anything. But I think for a lot of people, it is, you know, just showing up and putting any amount of effort in at all and you're going to succeed in high school. But I, again, I had no idea what I was going to do with myself after that. You know, I, I had, like I said, I had ideas. I knew what I enjoyed. I looked at universities for like graphic design, you know, video game development, uh, film production. Like these were things I like hobbies I had interest in. Not that I had any concept of like 
behind the scenes, like the work that went into it and how the actual careers would function. Uh, eventually I went with uh, computer science, which was horrific for me. <laughs> I was like, Oh, coding is, is something I despise. And <laughs> unfortunately now I do coding like every day, like small amounts for like website coding. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, back then I was like, this is horrible. I hate this. Uh, but yeah, like there's a lot of people I went to school with that. I don't know if you, you experienced this as well with people uh, treating college more as like a, we're all going to go and hang out together sort of a thing. That was a thing that happened in my high school where uh, I had a graduating class. Here's a reference for how big of an area I lived in. Uh, I this is, a, this is a bigger town than I live in now. Back when I was in high school, it was a much bigger town. Uh, we had a graduating class of about 108 people. And uh, I want to say like 10 to 12 of them maybe all went to one university together because they they just wanted their friend, their friend group to stick together. They all went to Coastal Carolina because it was like a party school. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I was like, that seems like a bad decision. <laughs> yeah, it's not the brightest, but there's a lot of... Um... I see a lot of that today. Um, you know, women that I date, of course, it's hard to find a woman that doesn't have any kids anymore, especially at my age. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, you, you, I, what filters through is, you know, their kids are going to go to college and then their kids are, um, going to go get a, an apartment with their friends from high school. And only a few of them are going to go to college. Okay. Only one of them is going to go to college and the other one's going to go to community college. And then the rest are just going to get jobs and they're going to hang out and, I was like, yeah, that's not the brightest idea to do because you, you're just going to bring the other one, the ones that aren't going to college, you're going to bring the college ones going, bring them down because you want me to focus and try to get them to, you know, there's going to be that animosity or jealousy of you're doing something mm -hmm. I'm not, oh, well, let's go party and try to convince them that way, just that subversion. So it's just kind of um, intriguing for me to... Uh, guess what's going to happen in other people's lives. Like that's just kind of a, uh, I guess a pastime in addition to like just watch people watching is yeah. um, being able to guess, okay, that person, yeah, they're not going to finish college because they're going to get pregnant. That one's not going to finish college because their friends are going to be jealous about them and get them to party all the time and being able to see that and then have some type of accuracy. Like that's how I have to shift my skill set essentially from mm -hmm being able to get women to sleep with me to being able to predict other people's lives just for um, kind of changing my course or you changing my skill set essentially. Yeah. I, I, getting older. I, I mean, I'm 29 years old, not that I'm old, but like as I've aged a little bit more, I've really grown to appreciate people watching more so than I was in like college and high school, particularly when it's watching somebody try and figure out a problem it's just, something about it is is so entertaining at this point where it's like all right this person is trying to figure out why they can't move their car it's like i guarantee you they have the the parking brake on or like the um, emergency brake because they're parked on a slope and it's just watching this person like clearly the car is like sitting there and you can see it shifting a tiny bit but they're not going anywhere they get out of the car walk around i'm like this is this is too good i'm just sitting up here in like the second floor of my, my house just like looking out like I, 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 this is a common scenario where it is me looking out the window, my dog with his front paws up, also looking out the window right next to me. And we're just watching people out the window. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess 
it is a thing, I guess. When you, as you get older, you appreciate little things more and more. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it. I've really come to enjoy just you know that sort of thing. Uh, just coming up with stories for people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do this, where it's like <laughs> you see someone in public. Yeah, Dri- we were driving home from Long Island in New York, and uh, I love I live in Central Pennsylvania. As we left New York City, this car passes us on the highway. Uh, we stop in, uh, uh, what is it called? Tannersville in Pennsylvania, which is in the Poconos. Uh, they have like outlets up there. And we stop to go to the outlets for a couple of things and, and grab lunch. We're there for an hour and a half. We get back on the highway and the same car that passed us in New York City is right on the highway next to us. After we waited for an hour and a half. And the only reason we recognize it is because it was some, uh, uh, what it's like a lime green. I can't think of the, it's like an Italian, uh, make. I can't think of the brand though. Uh, but it's like a very obvious vehicle. Like you wouldn't see many of them on the road at all. Mm-hmm. And this vehicle came all the way from Long Island, New York to literally the town we lived in the entire way home and the entire way home. We're com- I'm coming, I'm like coming up with this elaborate backstory for this person. My girlfriend's chipping in. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's, so, it's like, oh yeah, no, she's cheating on her husband. That's why she's fleeing the state. You know, she's got a, her left her whole family behind. Like this, it's like just coming up with stories for people. It's just, just enjoying stuff like that. Oh yeah, no, uh, I, I do that in public yeah. all the time. I'll, I'll be somewhere and see a couple together, and they don't look happy. And I'll come up mm-hmm. with the story. Yeah, they're they're only together because they're both in love with her brother, but they can't admit it. <laughs> so. You know, they just deal with each other, hoping one day that the brother realizes their love for them and he finally mm-hmm. picks one. That's the only reason they're still together. And just <laughs> come up with all this crazy stuff that just exactly. doesn't make sense. But yeah. Uh, I I do have the problem where I don't know where to, uh, like where the line in the sand is for that. Because I'll do this at work where like <laughs> I I work in the marketing side of things, right? But like people in the office with me work in sales. And so like they'll be on the phone and I'll be sitting there while they're on the phone with this person talking to somebody else about the person they're on the phone with, where it's like, oh, it's this person calling in. Yeah, I bet like, you know, you know, she her husband was killed in the war. She's taking all that money. She's with a younger man now, like going on and on. And they're just like my coworkers that will laugh for a while. And then eventually they get someone like, oh, and that they're like clearly put off by what I've said. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is the limit. I, I need to I need to stop sooner next time. <laughs> Yeah, normally I just keep it in my head. I, I can't share it out loud. There's, there's very I, few people that can get my sense of humor, or not even get it. They'll they'll get it, but it's it is just too dark and too morbid. Yeah, I don't mind putting it out there. I just don't need to cause trouble for myself. That's the only reason I don't keep going. Because I had the same problem at my last job, where it's like I have a dark sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> they are all very. They all have a very different sense of humor because they're in their late fifties, early sixties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 29 i'm making references that they don't get i'm making you know jokes about like suicide and they don't find that funny at all <laughs> and i i quickly learned ah i cannot use my style of humor here i'll have to make up something that's more appropriate <laughs> like it, <laughs> well. yeah it, it's a it's a very much adapting to the scenario here and i suppose <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, I don't, we're a little over an hour here. I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on here before we wrap up. 
Oh, uh, let's see. What can we touch on? Not little boys. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. See, that's the type of joke I would have made at my last job. And they would right? have been like, that's disgusting. That's not funny at all. And be like, no, that's hilarious. You right. just don't appreciate it. Right. <laughs> um, crap. So just as, as, um, crap, um, something to just for your listeners, if, if they want to get okay. a better sense of your sense of humor, which I would imagine your, your humor is similar to mine is a Stephen Lynch lullaby song. Uh, I, I know Stephen Lynch actually. I okay. like stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of his earlier songs. And um, so for your listeners, yeah, that, that type of sense of humor is just right up my alley. Um, anyways, uh, touch on and talk I about, I got into him with the superhero, um, the superhero song he does. I think that's him. Yeah, he, he has a superhero song. Um, yeah, I think it's the one where he's like asking the audience for superhero names mm-hmm. and just coming up with ridiculous, right? Like Valtrex Man and shit yes. like that. <laughs> yeah. That's one of yeah that one. Um, that is one of his earlier ones. I don't remember which one came sooner or earlier. I, I just remember no the lullaby song, and he sung it on the radio. And Andrew Dice Clay was also on the uh, on that show, whatever show he was on, and dice was just like oh man you got me right in the feels man like that that's that's perfect so nice yeah it, we're hit or miss sometimes sometimes we'll have guests on where we'll uh we'll, <laughs> we'll bring up the topics and there they'll be you know we'll get feedback like oh this is great this is this is really fun and then we'll come up with something that we think is in the same vein of humor and they're like, this is pretty disgusting. And I can't believe you'd even bring this up. <laughs> like we have a, on the like anniversary episodes and things like that. A lot of times we have like video podcasts when they're, uh, we've had a repeating guest, Marlon Hugh, who's a stand up comedian. Hmm. And we tend to go way overboard when he comes on. Is and, he that big black guy that was on Breaking Bad? I mean, uh, yeah, I better call Saul. He was not on that. No. no? Okay. Hugh. No. Oh no, no, I was thinking uh, Hugh, the character name. Never mind. My bad. Uh yeah, no. No, I, I bet he'd love to be on Breaking Bad even though the show's over. Or better call Saul on it. Right. I'm sure he'd love to the uh, uh the audience size of that. Uh, but yeah, when he comes on, we I cater to his sense of humor more than anything, because I when he comes on at because he's a comedian, my entire goal is just to get him to laugh as much as possible. Cause I, I take it as a challenge almost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not as difficult as I would like it to be. I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think he's very charitable and his, is uh, doling out of laughs, Mm. (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it's just, I think it was the most offensive thing I can. And I see if he laughs or not. And sometimes people don't appreciate that in the comments. (laughs) I'm like, all right, well, it wasn't about you, I guess this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is awesome. I wish I had more engaging uh, audience just to uh, be able to, I mean, mine are more um, on the download to like message me or instant message me or DM I get a lot of emails whatever. actually, which is really? surprising. Okay. Yeah. They, because it's the, it's the easiest way to get in touch with me. That's why. Cause people will go to the website and uh, right in the bottom of the page is like, Oh, contact us here. And it's just an email that comes directly through to me. Uh, I just have a specific email set up for it. And so, like, I will get email. Once people found out about it, they they thought, "Oh, perfect, he can't avoid me now." And uh, <laughs> so, like, I'll get a lot of times. It's just jokes people make, like, just making jokes and trying to be funny. And then sometimes, like, 
people seem to be genuinely offended by some things which are weird. I don't know if you've had any feedback like that where it's like something you wouldn't expect people to be upset about and they're just like, this is, I take this as a personal attack. I'm like, I, I'm just talking about Honda Civics here. I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't no, know. We're I just trash any... talking cheap sedans. I don't know what your deal is. <laughs> I haven't had anybody offended. I've had people like, I don't get it. But, you know, I've had a couple of those and mm-hmm. then I have to explain the joke and then they either don't respond or like, oh, okay. that is Okay. Now I get it. That's funny. But you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad that when you have to explain a joke, you know, but, yeah. um, yeah, I don't think I've had that get, many negative comments or complaints. It's more of, you know, they want a better explanation. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at least I think I come off as willing to to hear other people's sides. And so they'll yeah. tell me whatever it is, you know, oh, well, I don't get it because, you know, X, Y, or Z happened to me. And, you know, so it'll never be in a conversation. It's never really, you know, I hate you because you said, um, mm-hmm. you know, CRXs are the worst car in the world or whatever, you know, <laughs> I feel like sometimes too, they're just, they're literally trying to gaslight me at times where it's like, I don't know if they're being serious or not. <laughs> a lot, a lot of times I don't respond if they're like just complaining. I'm like, whatever, complain. Uh, but I did get, I forget, it was like six or seven emails, which is, you normally get like one or two emails, maybe every couple of episodes. A lot of times I'll just get messaged on like Twitter or whatever. But like one episode in particular, I don't remember which episode it was, but it was, uh, I made a, a like a, what you could consider a racist joke to a black guest who found it hilarious. And I knew that they would enjoy the joke. Mm. And I got a bunch of emails where they're like, I can't believe that th- you would say something like this. This is deeply offensive. You need to do better. Like something like that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I made a joke that I knew the guest would find hilarious. I'm like, I, I don't care if you're offended. <laughs> I was like, I'm just here to have a good time. Like, this is not the place to go for deep, in-depth conversation where there's no humor to be found whatsoever. Like, this is not a TED Talk, all right? It's, or NPR. Yeah, like, we're just here to have a good time. If we can provide information, perfect. Like, I'm all for it. I like being informative. I like learning new things for sure. Don't get me wrong, but this is not a 100% serious show uh, <laughs> by any means. Uh, so it's, it is funny when I get like feedback like that, where they're like deeply offended by something I'd said. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I told a joke on a podcast that some people listen to. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know. They're like, you, oh, that was, oh, I don't think it was that episode. There was one I got where it was like, you know, as a content creator, you have an obligation to be morally upstanding because of your audience and the sheer number of people that, you're able to influence. And I, I wrote back that time. I was like, with all due respect, I'm the only one in this scenario that knows our audience numbers. And I don't need to be concerned about hitting too many people with terrible, <laughs> terrible advice. <laughs> I'm like, we're not big enough to influence people. <laughs> you're giving me too much credit, sir. Oh, <laughs> sir. I appreciate that. You think I'm popular enough to have influence over people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, anyway thank you so much man for coming i really appreciate it. a good time yeah no uh, it was it was fun being able uh, to not have to talk about you know my normal crap on my podcast it's just been able to just have a conversation is nice i yeah thank you i appreciate the uh the informative side of it as well like i said i've i'm coming from a complete unknown side of this uh as a, a 
boring vanilla person, as you might put it. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, I would not be one of those people going to see Fifty Shades of Grey and then showing up thinking I'm with the it crowd now, uh, <laughs> partially because I partially because I wouldn't go to see the movie anyway, not my style. Um, but no, I, I appreciate you stopping by and and providing some information on it and, and having a, tr- a conversation. I had a good time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Where can people go to check out your stuff? Easiest way to complain to me is going to S-U-C-I-A-S dot X-Y-Z. You can text, email, find my socials, hit me up there, or even check out my podcast. Uh, I like to give out uh, life dating and relationship advice with a kink twist, and it's not about being kinky. It's just about having an open and honest conversation with your partner before you do anything, before you commit to doing any extra stuff, because if you don't have an understanding, then you can't be safe and you can't build trust. You just go in 110% right from the get go. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, you can't, and even just in general, like even without the sex part, you know, with your partner, you know, you want to have a a better sense of trust and being able to have open and clear communication. Because if one person makes an assumption, you know, the other person Mm -hmm. is not a mind reader and know that you somehow offended them. So you have to talk to your partner and let them know what bothers you. You know, one of the Mm -hmm. tenants in my life is never go to bed angry with your partner. Um, Mm -hmm. Unless, of course, you pass out for being high and wake up in the middle of the night and call them a shark-faced cunt. But, you know, (laughs) aside from that and not remembering calling them that until the next day where they tell you about it. But, uh, yeah, just don't go to bed angry with your partner. Don't hold them accountable for things you did in their dreams. Oh God, no. Yeah. That that is that is oh God, that's a great red flag. I need to add that to a red flag episode I've got coming up. But yeah, girl, I woke up one day and my girlfriend crying because I was mean to her in her dream. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, Yeah, you told me that I forget how she phrased it. She's like, Yeah, you told me you were breaking up with me and then you made me walk home. <laughs> I was like, Okay. She's like, I just feel really bad. I'm like it was a dream. Why am I being blamed for this? <laughs> what are you guilty of? What did you do in uh, your dream to deserve to be broken up with? Exactly. Hey, you know, this is really about you reflecting on what you've done. This mm-hmm. isn't, you know, this isn't me being in trouble. This is clearly you deserved this in your dream. <laughs> Honestly, I think I need to hold you accountable in real life now for this. <laughs> Let's turn this around on you, this whole scenario. Oh, man. Anyway, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, uh, I, I feel like I keep going off on my tangents here. Uh, yeah, definitely go check out Guyo on uh, Susus are my favorite. And you can check out deadjustproductions.live. Uh, I don't remember what day this episode is coming out because I've lost all sense of time in relation to the podcast schedule. It's been too long since I've recorded. But hopefully the website's updated by then. I may or may not have it done by then. Uh, we'll see. But thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you all next time. Bye.